This episode is sponsored by Voice123, the first online marketplace for voice actors with over 30,000 projects of all genres flowing through annually. It's a super useful tool for anyone who wants to take their storytelling to the next level. Got a creative project you'd like to bring to life? Download our free step-by-step guide at voice123.co slash in the envelope to successfully find the right voice for any of your projects. It can come from anyone. You just have to find it. Links are in the description below or on our website as well. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. Technology is changes on the daily and things continue to morph, but there's something so un, unshakable and unchangeable about live theater and, you know, telling a story and, and, and working on your craft live in person that I think is important to just have your foot in that door because it's one of the only kind of untouchable art forms we have. Welcome to another episode of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host, Backstage senior editor Vinny Mancuso. And joining us today is the ultra talented, the Tony winning Ben Platt. Now, most of you probably hear the name Ben Platt and uh, very, very immediately think theater. He is one of Broadway's fastest rising stars from his first roles in shows like The Book of Mormon to his meteoric breakout moment with Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, even to right now, he is currently starring in the best musical revival winning Parade. But on the big screen, he is taking that passion, that love for live theater, and putting it back into a little labor of love called Theater Camp. Now, this is a film that dates back um, decades, really, to when Bette met Molly Gordon at the Adderley School and Nick Lieberman in high school. Uh, Molly and Nick co-wrote Theater Camp with Ben, and also with Noah Galvin, a Broadway star all his own. Uh, He also stars in Theater Camp, and he also happens to be Ben's fiancé. Like I said, this is a real labor of love created by friends. It's based on a short they made, and it's also based on just their memories of how important a space like theater camp was for them as outsiders, theater lovers, kids who needed a place to belong when they were young. Which is also why it's also probably the most backstage adjacent film made in a long time. Uh, If you listen to this podcast, uh, if you have any interest in anything called The Actors Podcast, If you're subscribed to Backstage, if you even know what Backstage is, Theater Camp is probably a film for you. It's truly about the beautiful strangeness of being a theater kid, uh, whether that's literally or at heart. Uh, And this episode, really more than anything, is it's it's just a gush fest with Ben Platt about the magic of live theater. Uh, What more could you ask for? Let's get right into it. Here is Ben Platt.
How's it going? It's so so wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Likewise, it's going good. It's good. Busy, busy, but the the nice kind of busy. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a it's a it's a Tuesday. It's a rainy day in New York. Um, I assume you have a a show tonight. I do. We have a press for the for the film all day, and then a show in the evening. I, I must ask before we before we jump into this incredibly lovely movie, what that's like. I I I adore talking to Broadway actors because it's something that I am. That astounds me what you do, um, you know, doing press all day, compartmentalizing the fact that uh, a show is later that night. Have have you found a way, a, a strategy that sort of like separates day from night when it comes to doing these, these shows, eight, eight shows a week? Um, I, I wish. I mean, I, I think it's <laughs> it's more about conserving my voice during the day and just being careful about how I'm talking and trying not to talk over anyone and drinking lots of water and eating the right amount of protein so that whatever energy I'm expending during the day, I'm still saving for the, for the nighttime show. I love that. And congrats, by the way, uh, good night for parade at the Tony's, you know, best musical revival. Um, a really good night for you guys. And I also have really enjoyed, uh, seeing you sort of become a go-to gif, uh, of your reaction to Michael Arden's speech, uh, which was a, a, a wonderful reaction. Thank you. It was a very that was a very very exciting moment to witness. As as thrilled as I was for the show, I think that the the most thrilling moment of the night was definitely watching Michael get up there. Absolutely, it was wonderful. They they cut it out on the stream, but it did not take long for it to make its way to the internet. So I hear. Um, but something else uh, that I found pretty funny is that you posted the poster for Theater Camp, the the movie that we are here to discuss uh, during the Tony Awards. Yes, we uh, we had a TV spot commercial during the first break of the Tonys, which was very cool. And we wanted to synchronize that with the sharing of our poster. So I had a, a draft all ready to go. So I didn't have to worry about it on the night and just uh, posted it during the commercial. I love that. I love the comments that are just like, Ben, you're, you're at the Tonys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I am so excited to talk about theater cam. I really can't think of a more uh, backstage branded movie in, that has come around in a long time. I think there's a lot of overlap between the people who, uh, listen to this podcast, read backstage, and would love Theater Camp. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is a very collaborative effort. It is a labor of love. It's come from a short film that you made with uh, people you've known for a long time. So I, 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 I guess the place to start is the genesis of Theater Camp. Um, you know, what was, did it come from a conversation? Did it come from a, a, a desire to sort of put something to the world? Where did, where did it start for you and, and your, your many collaborators? It started when I was like four or five years old and I did uh, youth theater um, at this place called the Adderley School in the Palisades in California. And I met Molly Gordon, who's one of my one of my closest friends doing theater there. And we spent, you know, the first 15 or so years of our lives doing doing shows there and um, becoming very close and becoming collaborators. And then I met Nick Lieberman in high school when we were 14 years old and we did theater together as well in high school and made comedy films and sketches and really uh, connected creatively as well as um, just personally. And then we met Noah Galvin when we were in New York and we were in our, you know, 19, 20 year olds phase and made some comedy sketches as well and met doing a workshop of a musical. So basically this little collective kind of formed of, you know, really dear friends. And now obviously a pair of them are engaged, me being one of them. And our cross-section of connection was always, you know, a love of comedy and sketch and collectives like 
Christopher Guest and, you know, certain eras of SNL and Robert Altman and things like that. And then, um, you know, a, a deep, deep love of musical theater and theater in general, and particularly having grown up at going to theater camps and youth theater programs. So the first time that we properly collaborated, the four of us, you know, naturally the first sketch we thought to make and short that we thought to make was set in that world. And so we made a very, very, very tiny slapdash um, sketch called Theater Camp back in 2017 for about a day that we had to shoot with some kids that very graciously donated their time and um, in a rehearsal space in New York. And, um, you know, we, we really were so pleased and, and loved what we got out of that very brief moment. And, um, you know, we, we kind of sat on it and, and thought that it would be a really good proof of concept at some point. Um, didn't quite know what to do with it. And then the pandemic hit, of course, and we thought, you know, why, why not share this little bit of joy and, and laughter and just put it online and give people something to look at and, and, and laugh at, hopefully. And we put it up uh, online right when the pandemic began. Uh, and the response, I think, reinvigorated us and reminded us that this is really some, uh, this is a fruitful area for us and, and really suits our sensibilities. And so we spent the next, uh, you know, almost two years developing it into a feature and writing it the four of us and searching high and low for the financiers that were willing to make a somewhat niche, tiny movie with children and an original musical and set at a summer camp, etc., which is not the kind of thing that gets made much. And thankfully, here we are. Can you tell me about that sort of uh, that four four headed writing process you had? Like, was it was it a sort of, you know, a jam session type of thing? Was it was it more like, you know, each brought ideas to the table? I, I, I'm curious what the um, the actual building of this thing was in terms of like you guys bouncing ideas off each other and being a sort of four person creative team. Totally. It was definitely jam session in nature. The four of us wrote most of it in the, in a house I was renting in LA. Then we would get together and all four of us also have kind of our own situations happening at different times. And so someone would maybe be on zoom or a couple of people, but a lot of the time we were lucky to be in person. And it began with, I think us sort of just regurgitating every little story, joke, character, experience that we thought might suit this movie from our camp experiences, our theater experiences, teachers we loved, theater jokes we thought were funny, references we wanted to make, concepts we thought were funny, and just created this kind of like insane long Bible and then sort of looked at that and, and began to shape narratively and story-wise, you know, what is the, the feature within this and what's the arc and what's the thing that keeps us going along because we always wanted the film to be largely improvised within a very, very particular uh, outline and structure. And so we didn't necessarily want it to just be us throwing a lot of theater of humor at the wall, which, of course, we'd love to do for, for hours. But I think we really spent a majority of the writing process trying to shape it very clearly into um, a movie with a beginning, middle and end and with some pathos and to to really kill our darlings and, and, and save only the the jokes and the characters and the the you know the, the concepts that really suited this particular story and and yeah how do you you know in in the you said you know you're just sort of throwing things at the wall and you're you're bringing up old memories and you're you're sort of you know it's it's a very hyper specific sort of nostalgia this movie has and it's it's it is niche and it is for a very specific audience was there ever you know something that was in the creation process you're like that's a little too niche that's too specific or, or is that that's that not a worry at all I think yes and no. I mean, I think we are always under the impression that specificity begets universality. And I think mm -hmm. when, a, when an experience feels incredibly authentic in some way or just ripped from a, from a, from some some kind of real truth, 
even those that haven't had that exact experience tend to be able to to recognize it or find themselves in it. And I think we didn't want to edit ourselves in that regard. And, and anything that made us laugh and made us feel like we were reflecting the community well or accurately or roasting them in a proper way, we really wanted to include. But I think certainly we were trying to be as aware of possible, as possible of, of, of including, you know, an arc and, and, and relationships and friendships and, and heart that is is universal and can appeal to many different kinds of people. And I think particularly in the character of Troy, who is sort of the outsider in this film and sort of is coming in and trying to understand the idiosyncrasies of these very strange, intense theater people, that there would be a way in for those who felt sort of on the outside of this community and could sort of vicariously live live with Troy through his arc of, of coming to understand and fall in love with these people and realize that he's not really much different from them. So, yeah, I think it's just a balance of, you know, not editing the the delicious kind of specificity that we wanted in the first place in terms of making this, but also making sure that nobody feels actively pushed out or alienated and can find their way in. Did you happen to, you know, mine up any memory, any any specific thing for you that that surprised you that, you know, in the in the process of going over your your long history in the theater and your your sort of early days in the theater, the the education, the, the theater classes, the theater camps, is there anything that you sort of remembered that was like, wow, I didn't even that that, that hasn't crossed my mind in years and what that experience was like for you? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think I think in a sort of a larger sense, I I realized, you know, I thought I was like, well, in order to make this you know, particularly comic and, and really lean into the absurdity of it. We're going to have to paint these teachers in a really intense kind of heightened way. And I think as we were telling stories and really shaping the characters, the realization is that like there, there was no need to exaggerate that, that like there is a, an intensity and a sort of an, a magic realism even of these teachers and these these educators that exists that is just, you know, they're so the main characters of their own lives. And so I think like just just realizing that that not only did that intensity exist and 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 was that totally real and remembering those moments and those teachers but also like really starting as an adult to understand what's underneath that which is just a real desire to actually impart something and to change the young people that they're working with and to really see some some improvement and some some you know both as a human and as performers and and that those things can coexist and that's what makes them kind of delicious characters to play with is that they can be abrasive even and, and aggressive and you know you can think like oh these poor kids but at the end of the day you know treating a young person as an adult and as a professional and being the first one to really see them and respect them and expect something from them is so life-changing and i i just think i really realized through this process how informative that was for me and how how much i really appreciated those people mm-hmm. I, I, you mentioned you know sort of stepping into from a performance standpoint, stepping into the role of of one of these, you know, these 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 very specific kinds of theater teachers, did yes. did stepping into the role sort of reorient the way that you you think about them? Because they 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 are they they are these you know um, easily paradabile uh, you know intensity that you mentioned. Did 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 stepping into the role sort of change the way you think of like why these kind of theater teachers are the way they are? Yes, a, a bit. I mean, I think I to be honest, have always held a, a, an idea or a dream or a desire of at some point getting to teach in some mm-hmm. manner myself or get to, you know, work with kids in some way or direct kids or, or, or even work at a camp and sort of had a, had a feeling uh, that that my personality might really lend itself and that the things that I love and, and find fulfilling might actually really align with that. So I guess in playing the character, 
you know, obviously I hope I wouldn't be quite as forthright and aggressive as Amos is, but I think I, I did learn that like it is really something I could see myself doing and that I, I did love the experience of both on camera and off camera working with the kids and helping them, you know, put up the musical that happens at the end of the show and feeling that such deep sense of, of pride and satisfaction at them, you know, really showing up and delivering and, and having a great experience and, you know, seeing them emotional at the end of the summer and feeling like we really gave them a special time and that they really had a chance to bond and feel like they did go to theater camp in a sense. It, it, it uh, I think it just made me feel much closer to those kinds of people than I maybe thought at some point that I was. I, I am curious about riding that line between, you know, uh, parody and satire and celebrating theater. Because I think I think the, the great joy of this film is it makes it very clear about how valuable all of this is, no matter how intense, no matter how strange, no matter how, you know, specific it gets, it, it it never loses the idea that this is all extremely valuable for people who, and I think this is a direct quote for people who need it. I'm curious from both a creation standpoint and a performance standpoint, how you ride the line between, you know, making it very clear that some of this is very strange, but it's also just very valuable at the same time. And you're sort of doing that at the same time. Absolutely. Well, I think that First of all, I think the whole reason that we felt we had license to make this film is because we really are deeply these people and we are mm -hmm. theater people and we are as strange and, you know, nerdy and entrenched in this community for our entire lives as you could possibly be. And so I I think that there's a certain ineffable feeling when, when you are the one sending yourself up that, that people can understand how little malice is involved and how it's just purely a sort of a self-effacing kind of a venture. Um, and I also think that in crafting the story and the arc of the movie, we wanted to make sure that, as you said, that the, the main messaging that we're looking to get across, or I guess that the main sentiment and feeling and reason to make the movie was, as you said, to really express our love for this community and how necessary we think these spaces are. And so to know that we were going to end with this, you know, beautiful, bizarre, kooky musical and, and with my character, Amos, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, like having this realization of how valuable he is as a teacher and really embracing his role and and really getting to see in the end how much the place means to the kids. Like the fact that we had all these things in place that we knew would really communicate what we really wanted to. It allowed us in the other moments and in the comic moments and improvisation and in the classes and to really lean into the absurdity and intensity and abrasiveness and overly passionate teaching styles and 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 we knew that we could we could um have a a bit of a, like a freewheeling tone in, in the other areas of the film knowing we had this very clear backbone of what we're trying to communicate mm, it it has that sort of you know with any good you know christopher guest-esque you know sort of satire that you, it never loses the like love for the thing it's satirizing it you, you, it's never it's never barbed or, or or pointed it's just it's it's the reality of it a bit heightened well thanks um, I'm curious where, you know, this is a very improv heavy film and it's a cast of, of, of Im improv people. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, like you said, it's that fast and loose sort of mentality. Where, where do your improv instincts come from, you know, and how closely are they tied to your sort of, you know, classical theater training instincts? Is that all intertwined or, or are those two different disciplines for you? I actually find them quite different. I mean, I, I think that for me, what I love so much about theater is that the intense boundaries and specificity of, of doing a piece, a written piece and getting to rehearse it. And then especially when I get to do a long run of something like I am now, by virtue of repetition, you, you it starts to free you up more and more as it becomes more and more sort of like a, a sort of like body instinct. And then that's when I find I start to be able to play within that. So I, I almost don't really associate 
in a strange way, improv, at least with musical theater. But, mm-hmm. but I did, um, I did improv in high school. You know, we had a group at, at my high school called the scene monkeys that, um, me and Nick Lieberman were both in our direct, one of our co-directors. And I just fell in love with the, the feeling of being pushed off the cliff and, and unmatchable kind of like danger, like controlled chaos sort of danger of, of having to, um, just let go of trying to control things. I think as a person, I tend to be somewhat neurotic and and controlling and my anxiety precludes me to want to want to have all the information and be very clear and specific. And so it's, a, I think, a really beautiful thing for me as a person improv just to kind of experiment with not having that kind of control. And I just think also taste wise, you know, whatever it might be, SNL or, you know, videos of UCB or our favorite films like Anchorman and Bridesmaids, like the, the, the best stuff, the most delicious stuff always happens when people are really freewheeling and, and are just, you know, jumping off the cliff, as I said. And I think with this movie, you know, Molly, one of our co-directors uh, always says, you know, that your favorite 10, 15 minutes of, of those films tends to be those takes where they are improvising and going off and allowing themselves to be free. And what if, you know, as much as 90% of our movie was just those 10 minutes of freedom and, Obviously, that's much easier said than done, but I think that we were so anxious to capture that kind of happenstance, ineffable thing that's not so different from the ineffability of like theater to 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 have it feel as as kind of um, accidental and observational as possible, and that improv tone and that love of that feeling of of danger, I think, is is definitely one of the things that has bonded our our little collective, and so that was clear that we wanted that to be part of the film. Mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine that you know the the hope doing theater, you know, doing a show eight days a week is to you don't want too much deviation. You don't want the, but I, I I'm curious about like you know knowing that it can knowing that something can happen on stage and and building that muscle of rolling with it. Like does does that feel connected to this sort of improv thing? Just like not wanting to feel that danger, but knowing that you know say something happens in the middle of the parade that you have to sort of deal with is is that sort of a, a muscle you've built just by being prepared for whatever would happen on stage yeah absolutely i mean i think that 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 feeling of improv and being able to go on stage and have no sense of what might happen makes it, it sort of cushions the the anxiety and the you know any of the the butterflies that come along with going on stage to do something that you know almost everything that's going to happen it sort of makes it feel incredibly manageable so that when something does go down th- there is a a reflex to not panic and there's mm-hmm. you know you have some tools in place to be able to kind of stay on course and um i do think that the other beautiful thing about theater particularly in a the long run is that like as you say there's not a lot of deviation but small changes and variations within tone or within your performance or different choices that you decide to make within the context of what you're doing that can feel so imperceptible mm-hmm. to the crowd or even to to other people that aren't your scene partner like can make each night feel so completely different and fresh and, and can keep it really interesting and alive and i love the you know when you get deep into a roundhouse some some of the smallest um stretches and bends and changes can can really feel like it shifts the whole the whole story so i i i like the the sort of palette of that a lot mm-hmm. it's sort of like experimentation within a very <laughs> within the parameters that you've you've set for yourself exactly controlled chaos tends to be a really important theme in my both life and and art <laughs> <laughs> well it's worked out so far <laughs>
Um, I, I'm curious how you then, you know, there's this creative crew that came up with this concept in the short film and you're, you're writing it together and you're sort of, you know, bringing it to life together. How did you then go about, you know, bringing people in? I, I, I think I read that this was a, for the film, it was a casting director you've worked with before. What was the process of, of getting people who not only understood the sensibilities of it, but just really, you know, gelled with this, this very specific vibe you were all cultivating as a group? Totally. So for, for much of the adult cast and, and the staff, we, we really wanted to keep as many of our people that we knew personally and were friends with and, and, and had a comfortability with. Um, I think that we knew that was going to be really important to the tone of the film and also our ability to execute it in, in just 19 days with, you know, the undertaking of having children and a musical, etc. So I think luckily we had obviously the three of us within the collective in the film, Patty Harrison and Iowa Debris are very close with Molly and you know, really, um, Molly kind of brought them into the fold. Owen Thiel, who plays our costume designer, Gigi, is one of our closest friends as well. And Jimmy Tatro, we were mostly just really big fans of, but luckily I'm very close with Zoe Deutsch, his his partner. And we, we had our, our way in to try to convince him to join this craziness, which of course he was maybe the least familiar with. But mo so most of that cast thankfully came together as sort of like an extension of this collective that we already had. And, and then in terms of the kids, we had an incredible casting director, Bernie Telsey, who we've all known for a long time and who really did us a solid by doing a, a film that's, you know, perhaps smaller, smaller potatoes than what he is usually doing. And uh, one of his associates, Christian Charbonnier, who is so unbelievably talented and, and, and we are very grateful to, to the point where we named our costume designer Gigi Charbonnier as an homage to him. He, you know, did a, a very wide search for children and we really wanted to focus on kids who were real theater kids who have, you know, musical theater backgrounds or had been to youth theater programs and just ha had a familiarity with this world so that they would feel comfortable being dropped into it without us having to really shape the tone around them or make them understand the world that they were in. And we found an, a, a huge embarrassment of riches and, and we had a lot of callbacks on Zoom because this was still sort of the, the ends of the pandemic. And we had them singing and doing scenes, but mostly we had them improving with us on Zoom and, you know, giving them prompts and just kind of going back and forth with them and getting a sense of their personalities and their instincts. And we're just blown away. You know, I think some of our studios and, and producers, you know, ha maybe they're one of their largest fears was how do you get a bunch of kids to improvise and can kids improvise and mm -hmm. how do we trust that? And how, you know, why would we ever pay for that? But um, they, they really just immediately impressed and blew all of us away. I think that the, the four of us always knew that that they would, but kids are just so free and filterless and particularly theater kids. And so we just, we found a really beautiful, very hopefully representative group of, of what the theater community looks like of, of amazing kids. And, and uh, they, they just hit the ground running. They, they seemed to really understand what we were making and we tried to keep them, you know, in the dark whenever possible in the sense that obviously they were prepared when it comes to musical numbers and, and, and knowing their characters and, and what was happening narratively, but just allowed them to really attend the camp and go on the journey and, and take the classes and do the rehearsals and just react as, as naturally and organically as they could. And they were um, just spectacular. I mean, as you've mentioned, you know, it's you know, 19 days for shooting. There's a, there's a full, almost a full production at the end. And not only are you doing that, you're working primarily with kids um, who, are, who are improvising, as you mentioned. I'm curious what you learned from working that extensively with the kids and, you know, sort of what that back and forth with people much younger than you have taught you about not only, you know, acting, but like about yourself right now as an actor, what, what that whole experience sort of gave you. I think it's just so reinvigorating. Like I, 
I had the opportunity to host these things called the Jimmy Awards in New York a couple times, and that's like a musical theater program kind of award of kids all over the country who come and perform bits of their musical theater performances from their high schools. And I found that similarly reinvigorating. I think it just reminds you why you're doing this in the first place and like who, who you were that, that instilled this deep enough love of something that you were willing to be in a business that is not the easiest or most stable or in certainly is quite an anxiety provoking lifestyle to choose. And I think that, that, that the purity of their excitement to be there and their just raw talent and, and their, um, you know, willingness to, to jump in and also how, how deeply they looked up to, to all of us and were listening to us. It, it makes you take a lot of responsibility and pride in the kind of artist and professional that you are and that you want to inspire them to be. And I think it kept us all, as you were saying, it was a, quite an undertaking. And so obviously there were many, many different creative problem solving moments throughout every single day and panics and dark nights of the soul and et cetera with, you know, COVID and location and money and costumes and kids hours, et cetera. So having them there, you know, experiencing a, alongside us and wanting to give them a great experience, I think was like a really perfect, constant grounding force uh, that kind of kept what's important to us in a very meta sense up, up front, given that the film is all about how important these places are for young people. So the reason that if the film, I think, A, that we even got to the end, and B, that it has any of the the heart and the pathos and the the messaging that we were hoping it would have is, is because the kids were there with us and that they were kind of our sort of guiding light creatively and also just emotionally. Absolutely. So as we sort of, you know, wrap up here, I did want to ask a sort of bigger overall theater question in talking to you know in doing this podcast and talking to a lot of actors and talking like asking for advice and such something that often comes up is that a lot of people advise that for any actor they should they should try theater whether that's their dream or not whether they want to work in tv film they should give live theater a try so i'm curious for you you know when you when you're talking about advice for any actor what do you think are you know the main benefits what do you get from doing theater that kind of any other kind of training wouldn't give you or any other experience wouldn't give you well i think it's it's sort of like the purest form in a sense i mean i think getting to live a story from start to finish in succession um is just as a storyteller and as an actor like the most fulfilling experience and has taught me so much about not just like storytelling and art in general but like creating a character and going on a journey as a character and i think you know if you're ultimate goal or, or maybe what you prefer is to, to be on camera like that that experience is almost always about segmenting a performance like that and being able to jump to different points in the timeline and try to understand where your character has come from and where it's going and where they're going to end up and puzzle piece that together and I don't know that I would have been able to do that when I started doing things on camera if I hadn't had a background in living and experiencing and creating an arc from start to finish every night and having to repeat that and and find new things in that and keep that honest and authentic repeatedly. I just think that that creates such a foundation of understanding and of, of character building and of just understanding of story and love of story that I, I, I don't know that I would even have wanted to venture into other things if I hadn't had that as the, the backdrop for all of it. So I, and it's just, you know, on a selfish level, it's 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 unbelievably wonderful and fulfilling to have the instant gratification of sharing something with an audience and feeling their reaction and having the energy cycle back and forth in, in the immediate. It's like a, that's a very unmatched thing. And 
also, you know, as as times continue to change and the types of things we see on film and TV and the way they're made and obviously with the strike and everything that's going on, everything seems to be hanging somewhat in the balance and technology is changes on the daily and things continue to morph. But there is something so un, unshakable and unchangeable about live theater and, you know, telling a story and, and, and working on your craft live in person that I think is important to just have your foot in that door because it's 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 one of the only kind of untouchable art forms we have. Absolutely. Well, and again, thank you so much for being here. It's such a it's such a lovely film. Uh, it really is a celebration of of what makes theater both very strange and very beautiful. <laughs> uh, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at InTheEnvelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.